What is love? And when we don't get it as children, as he said, he had a mother who couldn't give love. When we don't get it, how does that impact us? And then, of course, the beautiful second question, the core question, how do we open ourselves to it? Well, love, love really is, as you probably realized as a child or as an adult looking back on your childhood, love is the energy that, that runs the world. Love is not just a thing that either we have or we don't have, and you have it, it's nice, you don't have it, it's not so nice, but you'll be fine. Love is essential. Love is the energy that runs everything. Not necessarily romantic love. Usually when most of us think of love, that's what we think about. But as you've just shared with us, the love of a parent to a child. Love in general is everything. And from the perspective of a parent to a child, interestingly, there's actually a, a medical disease called failure to thrive, which used to baffle pediatricians. Parents would show up with children or social workers would show up or orphanage runners would show up and they would have children who had nothing actually wrong with them. Their blood work was fine, they were being fed, they were being housed, they were being clothed, but these kids just didn't grow. And it took these doctors a very, very long time to figure out what is happening with these kids. What is leading to this failure to thrive? The children are not growing. Bodies aren't growing. Brains aren't growing. And what they discovered was these children weren't being held enough. They were being fed. They were being clothed. They had roofs over their head. But they weren't getting that experience of love, that experience of touch. They did a beautiful study with monkeys where they, they gave baby monkeys two options. One option was a wire mesh mother. Felt like wire mesh, not very cozy. But it had food that came out of it that the baby monkeys could actually suck and get food. And another surrogate mother was also wire mesh, but covered with a very soft, cozy towel. So it felt very nice to rub up against it and snuggle with it, but it had no food. And what they found was time and time again, these monkeys would choose the soft mother. They'd rather be hungry and cuddled than fed and lonely. Even more important from a purely survival standpoint, even more important than food, was love. And of course, it's not even full love. I mean, the wire mesh monkey didn't extend its arms and say, I love you, my child. But just that experience of a little bit of coziness, a little bit of tenderness, 
was more important than food. So if you doubt the importance of love, we realize it's actually that. Its absence is that which keeps babies from growing. And its presence is that which we would choose over food. So love is the energy that runs everything. It's who we are at the core of our being. When we practice loving kindness meditations, it's not just so that we can be better people on earth. It's not just so that we can serve the world better. It's because loving kindness, love, love is our nature. Love is what runs through us. So when you've been raised without it, what does it do to you? Well, it starves you, literally, as evidenced by the fact that babies would rather have tenderness than food. It thwarts your growth. Even if you physically grow, inside that growth is thwarted. Because in order to grow, there needs to be a safe space. We grow into into space. Roots of a tree grow only where there is soil that's nourishing. They grow only where there's space in which to grow that's going to nourish them and nurture them. Into soil to which they can grab hold. Otherwise, they don't grow. That's where you get trees that aren't very tall because their roots can't grow out very far. And the same thing happens with us. If we're not given love as kids, we stop growing in all sorts of ways. But the human psyche is very, very resilient. And so what we develop is other ways around it. So we grow in different ways to protect ourselves. So if we're not given love from a parent, that part of us that's starving, that part of us that's not being fed, is a part that we will will block it off, will cut it off from us. Because to live in a constant state of awareness of hunger is painful. And the human psyche is incredible. I mean, just how we've been created is so beautiful. And so I will literally cut myself off from the part of me that isn't loved so that I can go on, so that I can continue, so that I can literally function and survive. As I grow, maybe I'll fill that with something else. Alcohol, drugs, food, sex, gambling, all of the addictions of choice. Maybe I'll try to fill it with relationships. We can go either way. Either I try to fill it with people who will love me regardless of how warped they are because I become literally a love beggar. I'm prepared to take it anywhere from anyone. Or we continue to put ourselves in situations where we're not going to be loved because the universe also has this incredible way of making us wake up. 
And so we keep finding ourselves in situations that are painful and we wonder, why is this happening to me again and again and again? Like, I had this happen in my childhood. Wasn't that enough universe? Couldn't I finally, at least in my adulthood, find relationships that will nourish me and nurture me and support me? But it's not that the universe is out to get you. It's actually that the universe is batting for you. It's that the universe is going to give you these situations over and over again so that you can wake up, so that you can learn. So that finally, as an adult, not as a child who's dependent upon that love for survival, but as an adult who has within them all, all of the resources, all of the source of love within you that's going to force you to find that within yourself. As a child, we're dependent on our parents, literally. But as an adult, we're not. And so if you find yourself over and over again in situations where you're not being loved, it's the universe's way of saying, Wake up. You're no longer the starving child. You are an adult with the source of love in you. Give it to yourself. You have in you a dormant love manufacturing machine. Now, it may never have been turned on, because we learn, we learn from our parents. And so unless you happen to have another parent or a very close sibling or a very close relative who really modeled healthy love for you, you're going to never have learned how to turn that machine on. But it's still there. As good as new, it's just dormant. And so what the universe really wants is for you to learn how to turn that on. But sadly, you didn't get the teachings as a child. Nobody showed you as a child, here's the door, here's the key, here's the switch, here's how it goes. Here's the fuel you need to throw in the fire of that factory. You never learned any. Nobody ever modeled that for you. And so you need to figure that out as an adult, which is certainly not how it should be. That doesn't make it right, but it makes it how it is. So many of us tragically get stuck in the ideal. It shouldn't be like that. Well, okay, absolutely. You should have been loved as a kid. There should be rules governing who gives birth, just like there are rules governing who, governing who gets to drive a car. There are rules governing, governing how old you have to be to vote. There are rules governing if you're allowed to be in charge of, you know, teaching a classroom full of kids. You want to teach them math? You need a degree. But you want to actually parent them 24 hours a day? No degree necessary. It's a tragedy. It's definitely not an ideal situation, but it's, a, it's the reality of our situation. And so 
acknowledging that it's not ideal doesn't really get us very far. But it's how a lot of us sadly live is it should have been like this or it shouldn't have been like that or okay it was bad then but they could still make it up to me today. Why don't they? And one of the most important lessons of life is how to root yourself in the real rather than the ideal. Doesn't mean that we don't hold out a vision. Doesn't mean that we don't stay aware of what in the highest situation people could step up to the plate and become. But it means that we don't, we don't need that. The roots of me are not trying to get nourishment from an ideal situation that doesn't exist. I'm able to get nourishment from the reality of the situation, from what is rather than what should be. Because otherwise we continue to starve as adults. No, your mother should not have been permitted to give birth until she knew how to love. But that's not how our world works, sadly. And so what we have is way too many people, a, a tragically massive percentage of people who have been parented by people who had no business parenting. They didn't know how to properly love. They didn't know how to properly parent. They weren't selfless. Not what selfless enough, whatever it may be. But that awareness doesn't get us anywhere. Other than the only benefit of that awareness is to know it wasn't your fault. You weren't not loved because you were somehow unlovable. Because, you know, as you said, it really brings about a space within us of there is something wrong with me. You see other parents loving their children and you think, there must be something wrong with me. Sometimes the parents even say that. This is your fault. It's the fav famous month of abusive parents. You made me do this to you. If you were a good girl or a good boy, I wouldn't have to be beating you. If you were good, I wouldn't have to be doing this. And so naturally we grow up thinking, oh my God, there is something really wrong with at the bare minimum, unlovable. But if you had parents actually tell you it's your fault or you had a psyche that told you it's your fault, you're actually going to grow up believing that not only are you unlovable, but you're inherently wrong and bad. Because if not, why couldn't your parents love you, right? I mean, how hard is it to love a baby? How hard is it to love a kid? I mean, we love them in grocery stores. The ones we don't even know we love them. And so as you realize that, it's very obvious to start thinking that there's something wrong with you. But there isn't. And so the path for us as adults is A, root yourself in the real. It happened. No, it shouldn't have happened. But it did. 
No, you didn't deserve it. Yes, you were lovable. No, there was no problem with you. But it happened, and here you are. And we cannot rewind history. And simply knowing that it shouldn't have happened doesn't usually benefit us much right now. Other than to make us just lament the past even more. The question now is, okay, it happened, now what? Now what? Last night I gave the, the life mantra of, is there an alternative? So tonight, how about another one? Now what? Because so many of us are stuck in our lives with stuff from the past. Here's why I am who I am. Here's why I am the way I am. Here's why I suffer. But if you can just get yourself to recite the mantra enough of now what? Now what? I mean, every time your brain goes there, just now what? Fine, now what? Okay, now what? Now what? And now is to get you to love. Because regardless of whether she could love or couldn't love, regardless of what happened to any of us at any time in our life, regardless of what we did at any time in our because just because we weren't given the right amount or the right type of love, because sadly that happens way more than it doesn't happen. And a lot of it, if you look at it, is even with really well-meaning, mildly well-adjusted parents, in most cases they're in their mid-twenties, right? I mean. Anybody here over the age of 40, look back on yourself when you were in your mid-20s and think about how well-adjusted you were, right? I mean, very few of us are in an emotional state. I mean, when you're in your mid-20s, you may feel like, oh, yeah, I'm perfect. When I, I've got this life thing down. But in retrospect, you look back and you think, oh my God, I was such a mess. I had no idea. And the truth is, that's, that's how old most of our parents were when they were parenting us. So whether they actually were severely pathologically dysfunctional, as in couldn't love, or whether they were just the generic dysfunctional of being in their mid-twenties? In either case, inevitably, there are ramifications on our life as we are adults. And the question for us then becomes, okay, so regardless of what they did or didn't do, regardless then of what we did or didn't do in our lives, because those ramifications of our childhood become the ground from which we interact with the world. 
And so chances are, if I didn't get a lot of love, chances are I may not be giving a lot of love. Chances are, if I was abused, chances are I may find myself an abuser. If not a physical abuser, maybe an emotional one. If not an abuser of others, an abuser of myself. But unless I've really worked through it all, these things have ramifications that then become not just what happened to me, but what I have then done in the world. And regardless of what I have done, regardless of what anyone has done to me, our birthright is to deserve love. Our birthright is to be love. Commit a crime you'll go to jail. But even if you've committed crimes that are worthy of being in jail, it doesn't deem you unworthy of love. And that's in a worst case scenario. Chances are most of us have not committed crimes worthy of being in jail. But whatever we've done, whatever has happened to us, I remember actually being in a jail with Pooja Swamiji many years ago. We went and did a program in a jail near San Francisco. And he actually, it was amazing because they had told us in advance, you know, probably very few people will come. They get ministers through, they get all kinds of, you know, pastors and religious people who come through. And of course, it's optional. They can't make going to a program like that compulsory. So they said, you know, maybe three or five or seven people will show up. Every single person showed up. It was the, the first and only, like, 100% attended event. And I think the picture of us must have looked very different from the picture of most people who tended to come through the jail and do programs and whether it was just curiosity or what it was that brought everybody into that hall. And it was so beautiful because Pooja Swamiji looked out over this room full of men who were locked up in jail, I mean, who themselves were criminals. And he said to them, he said, you identify in here as your crime. But your crime is this much. You are this much. He said, you are not your crime. Yes, you have got to do your time. It's the laws of our land. But just because you did the crime, just because the crime happened through you and now you're doing your time, doesn't mean you are the crime. Crime is this much. You are this much. So even in a situation like that, even looking out over a room full of hardened criminals, even they have a birthright to love. So how do we then open ourselves to it? Well, the first... And I think most important aspect is having to connect with the part of ourselves that was never abused, that was never starved, that was never neglected, 
that was never abandoned, that was never betrayed, that was never harmed. Because there is a part of you that isn't the little boy wanting his mom's love. And until you can connect with that part of you, you won't be able to connect with the source of love within you. Because that little boy is, doesn't, doesn't have access to his source. That little boy is dependent upon mom for love. But there's a part of you that's not that little boy. There's a part of you that none of that ever happened to. There isn't, there isn't a cell of your body today who cried out for mom. You say to me here, when I was young, my mom, I didn't get love. Well, if I said to you, show me that eye, where's that eye? You actually have nothing to show me. You can't say, and even people who were actually abused, you cannot show me the arm that was abused. Show me the body that was abused. Not one cell in your body sitting here today, unless it happened over the last few years, did any of that happen to? The I who is sitting here today is not the I who was abused, is not the I who wasn't loved. There was a little boy to whom that happened. That little boy deserved much better. If I had a magic wand and I could redo that little boy's life, I would wave my magic wand and I would give him a loving mother. But we can't. <coughs> but that little boy isn't here today. That I, who's here, on a physical level, is entirely brand new. Which means that what's happened is we've just carried with us. The only place that I still exists is in your mental patterns. And so how can we touch the place so... When you go within, allow yourself to drop into a place of you that's not that boy. The place of you that's whole. The place of you that is Allow yourself to just experience that. Because that will, and it, the breath is a wonderful ally in that. Because when we are stressed, as typically bringing up those sorts of memories makes us, the breath becomes much more shallow, becomes quicker and more shallow. But if you stay grounded in your awareness of your breath as low in the abdomen as you can and stay rooted and grounded in that, 
it's very, very difficult to be anxious and in your head. The head has a script. The head has a drama. Then she did this. Then he did this. Then that happened. Oh, my God. This hurts too much. I can't do this. Forget it. That's why so many of us jump up out of meditation. Now, we may justify it as I'm too busy or it's too loud here or my foot itches or I think I left the stove on or you know, whatever, whatever it may be. But when that starts to happen over and over again, that's a signal that you're jumping up. It's a signal that the mind is not wanting to let go. And so stay rooted in the breath. And stay rooted as low as you can in, in an energy center that's really seen as a center of the self. And if you can get it when you meditate on it, you feel it. There's an experiential sense of being grounded and rooted and anchored. Because to go straight to your heart is going to be painful. It's like opening up an old wound. You've got a, you know, a, sca- a wound there, the scabs on it. Well, even if someone's trying to be nice and they go like this, you know, they're just trying to pet you nicely, nonetheless, if that's where your scab is, even a nice touch is going to hurt after a while. So you don't necessarily need to go straight to the heart. Go straight to the part that wasn't hurt. And then allow yourself, allow yourself very, very slowly, incrementally, to start experiencing love. Start small. Self-love. Take a hot bath. Literally, little things. Take yourself on a holiday. Look, you've already done it. You've brought yourself to Rishikesh. I mean, really, it's a a beautiful step because what it shows is an ability of self-love. It shows that regardless of whether you're able to physically or experientially experience that or not, you know. You know you're worthy of love. Then start to, start to feel it from outside. If not yet from other people, get a puppy. Right? I mean, start, start small and non-threatening. Slowly, slowly, slowly let people in. Begin with those you know aren't going to hurt you. Because only then you can really open up. It's hard to deep dive into a relationship when there's fear, when there's closure, because you're contracted. And when you love, so again, even if it's just the puppy, When you love, in that moment, make sure you're present. Don't be like on Facebook while you're with the puppy. (laughs) Seriously, from from a neurological standpoint, here's what's interesting. So we all come from 
different countries and different countries have gone through different things. But people from America, if I say to you, not all of you are necessarily old enough, but if I say to you, do you remember where you were when Ronald Reagan was shot? Now, I wasn't alive when JFK was shot, but people of my parents' generation, every one of them knows exactly where they were when JFK was shot. If we say, do you remember where you were on 9-11? Almost all of us, exactly. Not just where you were, but like the moment. There is something about an emotionally activated moment, good or bad, that makes everything about that moment very, very vivid. So a lot of us can remember what we were eating, what we were wearing, where we stood, who we were talking to. And so tragically what happens is the ones that tend to sear themselves into our psyche are the negative ones. But it's a very, very good technique that when you are in a beautiful moment, in a moment of love, in a moment of peace, allow yourself to be so physically there. What does it smell like? What are the colors? What are the sensations? Let that sear itself into your memory because only then will it change you. That's why trauma changes us. But sadly, the good stuff doesn't work quite as deeply because we don't let it. We're much more distracted while we're hugging somebody than if we're being mugged. I'm so present in the mugging that it sears itself into my memory and I now have nightmares. But in the hugs, I'm noticing, you know, that thing on the wall over there or, you know, maybe something comes to my mind and I want to note it down. And these days, you know, they have all those cartoons of people hugging and each of them is like on their, you know, on their phone looking over the other one's back. When you have beautiful moments in your life, make sure you're fully present. Allow that moment to sear itself into your psyche. Allow yourself on every level to drop into that moment. And if you find that your mind is wandering, bring it back. Make your mind fix itself in that moment. The smells, the sights, the sounds. Because that's actually how we repattern ourselves. So start small. But every moment of love, let it repattern you. Then with kids, volunteer in a, you know, in a children's hospital. Work with kids. Again, it's safe. It's a step above pets. Not yet a romantic relationship. <laughs> Chances are they're not going to show up one day and say, you know, I've decided I'm not really interested. <laughs> but every moment, every day, allow yourself 
to just experience love. Work on your friendships. You don't need a million. It's not about the quantity, it's about the quality. If you can, if you can invite into your life one person, two people, who you really love and from whom you can receive love, it's going to open you up. Make that your work. At the end of every day, don't think about how much money you made or lost, how much weight you made, gained or lost, how much you, know, you accomplished or didn't accomplish, where you were successful or a failure. Don't think in that way. Think only about how much love did I give and receive today? How open was my heart? And when you feel that your heart is closed, bring yourself back to your breath and draw your breath into your heart. Can you, with your breath, coax your heart open? And you can. When you, you really can do it. But just allow yourself to do that. Do whatever you can do to be in the presence of love. As every minute of every day. Do not ever pass up an opportunity. And slowly, 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 it'll happen. Read poetry of mystic lovers. Read Rumi. Read Mirabai. I mean, read poems of people who were drunk in love. <laughs> and what's beautiful about those is they were drunk in love with God. So again, it's safe. I mean, really, right? You, don't, you can't... <coughs> You can't dive in from I don't feel love to suddenly expecting that you're going to be able to get into a healthy, loving, romantic relationship that's going to work. You have to first be allowed to, to love in a safe place. Because think about all those years that you loved mom and didn't get love back. And that rejection is what's at the moment seared into your psyche. And so you need, you need to replace that with, I give love, I get love. At the moment, it's, I give love, I get hurt. I give love, I get hurt. I give love, I get hurt. And so we need to replace that. I give love, I get love. I give love, I get love. Slowly, I am love. I am love. I am love. I don't have to give anything. I don't have to get anything. I just have to sit here. <laughs> I am love. And then, then you're ready to be that love with another person. Otherwise, if you dive into it with another person, it's, it's looking for mom. And every minute that person says something to you, like, Honey, you know, 
I don't think the cups should go here with the plates like that. Or, you know, honey, you didn't really leave me enough room in the driveway. Do you think you could park a little bit more considerately? Suddenly that internal sense, that little boy panics. Oh my God. It's rejection. And this is where that starts that spiral. So start small. Get a puppy. <laughs> or a kitten. Or whatever it is. But get, get something that you can love with no fear of rejection. Something it is, that is just going to keep coming back for more. That no matter what you do is going to lick your face. And move your way up. And see how much in every day, how much can you love? How much can you feel love for? Can you love a sunset? Can you love a flower? See whether your heart can open to that. And love God. And if you don't know how, let Rumi and Mirabai teach you or any, any others. Those are two of my favorites. Because you can't, you can't help feel love when you read it. And so really, there's, there's some, some mystics, some beings who are able not to just teach us, but actually to touch us, to actually give us their experience. And God is safe. Not going to say, nah, I don't think so. And then slowly, you'll open it to another being. But change, change your mental framework. Instead of saying, I can't love or I'm afraid to love, every day, tell yourself, I am love. I am love. Say it till it's true. I am love. Look in a mirror, I am love. Look in a mirror, I love you. Not, your hair looks great, I love you. <laughs> Not, wow, you look sharp today, I love you. But just, I love you. The good thing is, because love really is the truth of who we are, no matter what's happened, it's, it's a well that's always there just has to be slowly untapped. And that, that dormant factory just has to be kind of brought back to life.